Hello, and welcome to another episode of Scions of the Southland. As always, my name is Akshay Ishwaran, and joining me is a man who apparently has to catch a flight and is thus making our recording go fast today, Mr. Jake Grant. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fine, thanks. And it's not so much me catching it, but uh, catching somebody who just caught one. Um, so, you know, it, that, it do be that way sometimes. It indeed does. Well, uh, given your haste, we do have a lot to talk about today, despite your haste. Um, you know, we had golf out in Hawaii. Women's tennis was in action in uh, Stillwater this week. Uh, men's tennis had a two-match uh, two set. Had a lot of basketball. So uh, how about we put our usual 30 minutes on the clock. And we also do have a softball preview to get to. So maybe we'll add, you know, we'll go, we'll go 40 minutes this time just to, just to be safe. And, uh, and get right to it. What say you? Yeah, let's ride. All right. Three, two, one. Here we go. Let's start with golf who's out in Hawaii. I don't exactly remember the name of the Invitational, but I do recall that they finished in and around seventh. Uh, I think to you know paraphrase some things that you were saying earlier this week in our writer's room, the rumors of their demise have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah. Um, they even led at the, out of the gate uh, out on the big island. Um, so that was nice. We saw some people step up. Um, I don't know. It's uh, we knew there was talent on this team. Obviously, there there kind of always has been. Um, it's just nice to see them clicking a little bit better. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Where are they headed next? I know they stayed in Hawaii to play another round at a at a golf course and get some practice time in for for most of the squad. But I assume they're headed somewhere else this week. They. Uh, They've had quite the couple weeks um, being out in California and then immediately in Hawaii. Uh, what a life. <laughs> um, but they're actually off for the next uh, 12 or so days. They have a weekend off and then they'll be out in uh, California again. Uh, Wyoming's hosting something in California. So uh, the wonderful world of COVID scheduled sports. It's my favorite. I think it's a combo of that and uh, and. Uh, you know, Palm, what, it's not, yeah, Palm Springs, or, that's the, that's the California inland, nice place to go play golf and stuff in the winter, right? I think it's Palm sure. Springs. I have yeah. no idea. All right, let's, let's go with that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's called the Desert Invitational. So it seems like it may have been at least somewhat more planned than, I guess, the 49ers move to the desert, you know? Yeah, that was, that was and still remains weird. I don't know. I, I got nothing else on that one. Very fair. All right, let's move on to arguably, I, I, I don't know, kind of the most exciting, well, most exciting in a good way, uh, ter- like performances of this week, um, women's tennis. Now, I say that knowing that they lost two of their, the three matches this week, but it was exciting to see them playing like very meaningful tennis this early in the season. Um, they... They started off the ITA tournament, the eight-team ITA tournament, uh, with uh, a loss to Pepperdine. Then they also lost to Ohio State yesterday before closing out the tournament with a win versus Oklahoma State today. But 
you have to keep in mind that these are all top-ranked teams in the nation, and they got a lot of good competition. And they they didn't lose any of these matches until probably the last couple sets of the last couple uh, singles matches. It wasn't like any of them were blowouts by any stretch. Yeah, um, it's kind of like being dropped into the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament for basketball, uh, but there are no underdogs. So I guess just the uh, women's NCAA basketball tournament. Um, but no, it they had some great competition. Pepperdine uh, was number five. Yeah, number five. Um, little little tough there. Um, I know the courts that it was coming down to uh, – there was a couple issues with like sun, even though it was indoors and stuff like that. But um, especially Rosie Garcia Gross down on six played very well. Um, I mean, she came points. back. She was, points. she, yeah. uh, I think she had almost gotten swept in the first set and then staged a massive comeback in the second set and kept herself in it in the third set to keep Tex hope, hopes alive however slim they were at the end there, but keep Tex hopes alive in that, in that match. I think at one point she had saved nine match points. In that. Uh, she, was, she was on the ninth match point when she lost, but yeah, no save saving eight match points is, I mean, that was stressful. Me watching through my computer from a thousand miles away. I can't imagine, you know, actually being on the court and having to execute. So good on her. It's, I don't know. It's weird to say a quality loss. Cause I don't really believe in, you know, that in the way they're usually talked about but um this isn't the sec yeah i mean it, it our week was essentially the we lost to a&m we lost to bama we beat georgia uh florida football experience um in terms of you know quality losses and all that nonsense but huh, i uh i think that either way it's good to see especially um, five and six, and some of our younger players being ones fed to step up, and they did it all without um, Ava Rostar. Uh, I know for sure she wasn't in the first two lineups. I didn't get to watch the uh, match today. Huh, maybe that's why they won. But um, but yeah, no, a n- notable loss. Um, so they're uh, not saying it's excusable uh, or anything like that, but you know. They 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 played tight matches against good teams. Can't really fault them for that, you know. Yeah, I'm not going to complain about it. I I think they put together really good performances, but it still sort of shows the development. And there's still a, a bit of a talent differential, right, between Tech and some of these higher level teams. I mean, oh yeah, per, Pepper Pepperdine. I'm going to say that make the same mistake as you. Pepperdine had the number one singles player in the nation. Uh, but that comes with the caveat that that she actually sat out this match um, for some sort of undisclosed injury concern. Um, yeah. So you, but I think that speaks to the le- the available talent that uh, Pepperdine, Pepperdine, Pepperdine. I'm going to mess this up because of you. Um, the, it speaks to the level of talent that they have over there in California. Um, and and Ohio State and, and in Oklahoma State, but Tech was still able to keep pace with that. And I think that bodes well moving forward. Yeah, and throwing it back to um, the year after we went to the Final Four, we kind of made a miracle, somewhat miracle run at the uh, NCAA tournament, and um, 
In the first round, we upset a number 25 Ohio State team. So it's very interesting to see how the two teams, and not even diverged, but have just uh, crossed paths again. Parallel? um, Like, I don't know. I I think the last point I want to make is, yeah, there's a talent disparity, but there's also an age disparity. Yeah, that's that's another thing that I wanted to touch on. On top of the, you know, you, you played... This was two weeks ago now, but you you played an emotional tight game against uh, South Carolina to play Duke, which was an emotional tight game. And then you go to uh, Pepperdine and you play them 4-2 or whatever the final was. 4-3. 4-3, which was uh, not a crushing blow. But, man, these are quite riveting matches. And it's not, there, there's, there hasn't been an easy win for them in the whole ITAs. Um, so just the fact that they have three and two, they've played um, uh, a handful of top, uh, top 10 teams, let alone top 25. Um, yeah. Th- th- they've, they've earned their salt, I think. And uh, that's, that's what I got. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the other side of the tennis courts with the men. Uh, they took uh, a loss to Athens earlier this week. Uh, I think they – I haven't checked Twitter recently, but I think they were um, still working through doubles versus South Carolina. Uh, I, I know we when we were talking about this with, uh, with Ethan uh, a couple of days ago, we were sort of pleased with how they kept pace. Uh, versus, you know, a pretty good or very good Athens tennis team. Um, but how are they doing today? Where do you think they, they sort of sit in terms of their expectations for the rest of the season? Actually, I've got a question for you. Where do you think I would, just was? Why do you think we started this late? Uh, I'm. This is me teeing you up properly. And you say, clearly um, failed this test. I stayed um, after women's basketball. I hung around because they were letting students in. Uh, outside at men's tennis, um, we lost the doubles point. Uh, played them sort of close. Probably could have been a little bit closer. Uh, didn't see any of that, but I did. Uh, I did stay for singles. I think the man of the match for the Jackets was Marcus McDaniel. He scored Tech's single sole point. Uh, we lost four to one. Uh, they called it suspended uh, suspended play. I think with trailing on. Trailing one set to nothing, but up in games on six. And I think the other was down um, after winning the first set. So not a not quite as close as the UGA match, uh, which is disappointing, I'd say. But I don't know. Mar- Marcus McDaniel looked really good. Um, uh, it was a two-set loss uh, for Keshav Chopra. But uh, that was about as... Uh, not emotional, but fired up and uh, tightly contested two set um, losses you can take. So don't really fault him there either. Uh, bit of a beat down on one uh, for Anders Martin, but you know the rest of that. I'd, I'd like to see us win doubles points. Uh, that we have two ranked doubles teams out of three. I think that's where we could stand to make a lot of our money this year. Not saying that as tech doubles goes, so goes tech tennis. I think that's a general thing for a tennis match in general. That's why it's the coin flip, like deciding point, I guess. But um, yeah, no, we we're still a young team. We don't really, I don't think we lose anybody off of this team, quite frankly. Uh, And most of them didn't have anywhere close to a full season last year. So 
I don't know. Just seeing seeing Marcus step up was really good. Um, I think uh, he and Andres Martin are, are a good pairing on one and two. Keshav Chopra has grown a lot. I think he has a lot of potential this year as well. So, again, we'll just have to see how the, it shakes out as ACC play starts to uh, trickle in here soon. Yeah, I I think we, we talked last week about sort of different expectations or different sort of windows of opportunity, right, for both this, the women's team and the men's team, and also the same conversation uh, with men's and women's basketball. And I, I think, so putting these two occurrences back-to-back, right, or these two events back-to-back where we're talking about the women in the uh, taking some quality losses um, against really good teams in the ITAs, and then the men sort of keeping pace but struggling versus similar quality teams on their side, it sort of goes to show sort of our expectations, our mindset for each of these teams, right? Like the men's team may not lose anyone next year, but they're still an, a somewhat older team, right? Whereas the women still have a lot of room for that experience and that growth, so – It'll be interesting to see how those two teams develop over the like, – it's still early in this season. So it'll be interesting to see how they develop the rest of the way this year and then also heading into next year and the year the year after that. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they, have, they have a lot of runway. And I think the allusion to last week's chat about men's and women's basketball is, is fairly on point and I think also relates to how we felt about them this week. So – Oh boy, you've teed me up perfectly. So uh, yeah, women's basketball. They did lose today, but they keep doing this thing where they really like testing fans' cardiac health, uh, and I, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, lo- I love this team. Stars, dude. It was not good. <laughs> I, yeah, I my blood pressure got uh, got a little testy. I think watching the Clemson game, which was the midweeker, that they squeaked out. In the last, last like minute and a half max, they couldn't. They they were in position to do the same thing today, but they couldn't quite pull it out. Uh, and then the third the third game that actually started their week was versus Syracuse, in which they were able to pull away pretty comfortably. But it's been a week, uh, and it's been quite a week for you know Georgia Tech sports fans' cardiac health, especially in the basketball department. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, between women's tennis and these two teams, it was it was a lot. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, today. Um, I I say this every time I have to complain about refing, but I hate complaining about refs. And yeah, sure, Clemson has known floppers, whatever. I didn't watch that game in person. I was listening onto the radio, um, so I can't really complain about that. I just know based on based on how. I, we haven't really talked about this, but um, Rec Radio has a, a rather green uh, color commentator, and she was very fed up. And I fed off that energy in a. She walk. is. She's great. Like she, I think she is, she's she a little nervous. Oh, like, she cares. I can. I like but that. She, but she is a super fan, and she she like I think I appreciate her perspective. She she's basketball knowledgeable, but also like a diehard fan, and it's great to listen yes. to her. Oh, cl- clearly very passionate, and that's what was getting me animated. Because usually the radio, it has to be like if you have to Andy, at least maintain Andy, some sort of. Wiley, I will get fired up if it's Pat Hughes on the Chicago radio, Pat Foley. But like, 
man, I've never been that jazzed about listening to the women's basketball on the radio. But then we go around from that into today's game, and the the refs didn't call anything the first three quarters, and then Tech had to go play eight on five in the fourth quarter. But at the same time, and I think I said this to you earlier, like it doesn't excuse the fact that they, in the second half, they hadn't been shooting all that well. I think there's that, and then there's, and I think you have a point when you look at the breakdown, like like our caller commentator Fred was was pointing out uh, late in that fourth quarter that um, Wake Forest uh, had scored 13 of their 20 points in the fourth quarter off of three throws. I think you have a point with that, but at the same time, like you said, it's it sucks to come like say that refing is the root cause of not winning a game when you also were not shooting well late in that game. Yeah, and and I think I I noticed this sitting there that I thought our rotation was really weird today. We had some great success in the first um first quarter to an extent the first half, um, with having our, you know, big uh, aggressive uh, forwards in the lineup. Um, say that as you will. We didn't. We didn't really see a lot of them. We saw uh, more number fifteen, Ms. Carter, out there, um, and she played pretty well. I, I like the aggression, but the height difference, I think, was really, really something. I don't really know what's up with that. Uh, obviously, we're missing Bates out of the rotation. We didn't see as much Loyal McQueen. I don't think she scored until um, late in the fourth. Um, but yeah, no, it was just weird. Um, but it, but that's that's, that's something else I want to do though. Like, if you can't play uh, Lorella Kupai and Norea Hermosa forty minutes, uh, you know, three times in less than a week, that's just brutal. That's what. Well, that's that's another thing that I want to talk about. But both in relation to men's and women's basketball, this week has been like the definition of fixture congestion. Right and, and squad rotation on on both ends, but you can't get away with, you can't do a good job of squad rotation when you're in the position that both the men's and women's teams are with their shorter rotations and their lack of depth. Um, yeah. But see, and the, it's it's, it's difficult when you have like it's going to be a problem with women's basketball all along. You know that from the opening press conference, we knew because of opt outs, because of injuries because of freshmen and i mean uh, we knew it was going to be a problem with men's too it's just that the way that the acc schedule the last two or three weeks for both sides of the bracket here has been brutal like uncharacteristically brutal and and we can sort of start talking about the men too they they're about to start playing a five game set in 11 days which is Ooh. similar to the the six, the three game set in 6 days that the women just played it's it's a little ridiculous like what are we doing here even even if you don't catch COVID, having to play that much basketball in that many different places, you are going to get sick just from being fatigued. Like, like I already, uh, my heart goes out to Moses Wright in about 12 days because he is going to be so gassed. And the same thing goes for... You know all the all the regulars, Mike DeVoe, Jose Alvarado. Jose Alvarado is going to try to play forty minutes in each of these five games, like he did last night. Like these guys are just going to be exhausted by the time these stretches end. It's such a bizarre change from the not doing anything for like two plus straight weeks, and and the thing is, they can't even practice during that time, so their conditioning is like a sine wave. You know, this year, like it's just do 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 all over the place. 
it's it's frustrating. I, I I mean, like obviously, all of these teams are going through this, right? Like, they're they're all of the teams in the ACC ha- are facing these similar challenges. It's not just like Tech is getting screwed out, out of the gate. Like, I'm sure other teams have had similar stretches, but it's just it, it's frustrating. I think when we talk about a fixture congestion um, in regards to like let's say European soccer, because that's like the, the easiest place where I can make this, uh, make this case. It's, you have a 23 plus man roster that you can rotate through when you're talking about um, when you're talking about uh, tech basketball and the way that both teams are playing or like to play, you have maximum eight, eight people that's men or women and, and on those respective teams that are, able to play and it's it it just does not work out like you you can't really counterbalance you have um Lorella Kubai you have Nerea Hermosa who are probably going to be playing 40 minutes uh on uh 40 minute stints on the women's side and then you have Jose Alvarado that's going to push to play 40 minutes whether you want him to or not in every single of these five games that are coming up and it's it it just makes me think like what are like yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't I don't know. know. I was gonna say, like, but today that was part of the 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 different dynamic. I think is that we didn't see forty minutes of of Hermosa and Kubai. Um, not that that's a problem, but like again, also without Sarah Bates on the floor, the the perimeter defense by opposing teams just smothers low to my lot. And, and to her credit, she still had twenty two points today, which is quite the feet out of i think they scored 53 like that is not not and, and she and she had a couple threes at the at the death there where to try to you know put a fire back uh yeah. in the team and start a comeback to her credit um and no her her doing the intentional foul being her fifth to foul out she got a standing ovation every little bit of that was deserved she played mm-hmm. very well today uh and i would be remiss not to say that because i mean I don't know what it is. It it's uh, a problem I saw with Moses Wright in uh, Monday's game, uh, uh, definitely in the first half of uh, Saturday's game, but also from uh, from the forwards in uh, in today's game. It's just like shots that normally go in for them just weren't, and and especially with the men looking at the front end of a of a busy stretch, starting with a big game on Wednesday. Um, you know, it's you can just hope this, it, especially for the men, they have a lot less slack. The the ladies losing today is not a deal breaker for their tournament hopes. You know, but the men have to start winning games and winning them soon. Yes, if not, every, if if not, every game right now is a must win. I mean, I think you could argue that game as a quad one win and one of the few left on the schedule. You got to circle that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I believe we still we still go on the road to Clemson this weekend. Um, I think that'll be quad one if they're still in the top seventy five. Um, I don't know if they're in the top seventy five of net. I haven't checked because today's been a busy day, and so was yesterday. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, uh, it's hard to believe that the Louisville game was this week. Um, but yet at the same time, that is what pandemic sports have been i think is wow uh it's been two weeks and a quarter of the baseball season for mlb went by it's 
really the only thing that's felt anywhere close to normal is the NFL, which I guess it's fitting that the Super Bowl is today. But uh, I won't uh, trigger you too bad with uh, Mr. Tampa Bay over there. Uh, uh, okay, we're we're gonna move. We're we're gonna move on. I, I will final piece uh, because I didn't actually say it. Uh, men's basketball beat Notre Dame uh, eighty-two to eighty yesterday. That's the other result that we've been referring to as in terms of last night. Um, they only won because a Notre Dame player forgot to look at the clock. Hey, we were winning when that happened. So they won because they did all the other stuff. I'm They're- going to, I, that's my story and I'm sticking to it because man, was that some Kirby smart time management skills right there. I'm uh, I'm sad. Nobody faked a fourth, uh, fourth down kick on that play, but oh, well, that's not really a thing in basketball, but you know, I'll give it to you. Fair enough. All right. What do we got next? All right. All right. We are going to do a nice preview of the softball season. Uh, You know, we got that starts on Friday uh, with a game versus Boise State uh, as part of I think that's still being branded as the Buzz Classic. Uh, You're the one with the sports information know how I unfortunately am not. Uh, But I know we. I think we've talked about this team sort of in fits and spurts the last couple of weeks as the season has gotten closer. So I think they deserve, you know, their own dedicated preview section personally. Yeah. um, I definitely would say the same. They've got a almost normal length schedule. All the ACC tournament or all the ACC series are four game sets. Buzzgate, uh, Buzz Classic will kick off the season with a doubleheader against Boise State Friday, Radford Saturday. They get one game in against Georgia State on Sunday. Um, so, you know, that's pretty decent. Um, and then they go right into the ACC slate the next weekend. Um, and with a brutal visit to, or with uh, the brutal visit of uh, FSU. Yeah. The, um, the only other major grouping of non-con games is a, like, Buzz Classic 2, as weird as that sounds. But they've got uh, Miami of Ohio, Kennesaw State, and then one against uh, hosting UGA um, at the end of February. So, and, and then I think a random midweeker against Troy. But going right off from, you know, five, okay, they should go – four and one, five and zero oh in there to the best team in the conference. At least it's at home. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And, and we'll get to that. I, ha- I have some uh, preview items to, to talk about with those, but let's start about talking. Uh, let's start about talking about 2020 and 2019, the bit of the year that 29 or 2020 was and all of the year that 2019 was I think the records in both years were, were fairly similar and the uh, the ability that they put forward in both years was fairly similar. 2020, they were 12 and 11. Um, they started off with the, that series versus Washington that was at home as part of the Buzz Classic. Um, and they they'd sort of started trending up towards the end of the season um, before, you know, all of the cancellations and everything kind of falling apart uh, across the world. Um, and then in 2019... Um, they went 31 and 27. 
uh, ending with a loss to you know FSU in the ACC quarterfinals. So what? When you take stock of those years, and especially that the little bit of 2020 that we saw, what do you make of that? Um, as close as we came to beating Washington in the Buzz Classic uh, that first weekend, I had them penciled in in my mind as uh, both L's. So I kind of consider us 12 and 9 in terms of like, all right, like reset, like we're not playing the number one team in the country. Um, and you're right, you're right. They did trend up, but I think. 2020 in the games we saw reminded me of 2019 in that I looked, I was looking for a bigger step up 2018 to 2019 than I saw. And then I was looking for a step up from 19 to 20, but it felt like a lot of the same, but I think there's an important caveat there, right? I'm going to, they have uh, their stats up because as much as you said, I'm the sports information guy, homie who's writing about the uh, non-rip sports can't, catch a media guide for like half the sports um be nice um and make quit, my life quit you're complaining so much easier so much easier actually um but i think i think after we settled in with um blake nelman kind of being the not surprised because she came in as a very touted freshman and, and pitched well the whole season but um she started nine games with 14 appearances one as, as she started to take the brunt of that um, she was nine and one in those games with a 145 ERA. She was good. She was yeah. good. That's, I mean, 10 games is still a relatively small sample size, but I mean, I think the numbers really speak for themselves. The, um, the 21 walks to 77 strikeouts only gave up two home runs, no triples. Um, that's, that's pretty darn good across 219 at bats. Um, the uh, what was I going to say that her average against was a 160. Um, her Madison McPherson out of the pen in the few appearances she had uh, had some similar numbers. Uh, a um, a better uh, rate on hits against, if that makes sense. But then again, a lot less uh, a lot less stuff to go off of. I think that's a good place to start building your staff from the ERA overall was uh, a three thirty two, and besting that of our opponents uh, who were a three seventy six. Um, we've had a fairly high fours and fives ERA for quite some time. And I think, I think if we're going to look for a place where tech has traditionally, I mean, I traditionally, I think it's been weaker um, in, on uh, Eileen Morales's teams. If that pitching can match like the hitting we saw, especially late 2019, uh, end of season 2018. I think that this could be a, a very solid team in this conference. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. And we, we keep talking about, it, we keep referring to it, right? That just blob of meh right after FSU and even maybe Louisville in the, in the conference where it just has not sorted itself out historically. Um, it's it's always in flux. It's very ACC coastal chaos. So Tech putting together its pitching staff and continuing its its uh, elite hitting because it is very good um, would be a big step in cementing itself as that second second tier team right there. Yeah, um, I think a lot of a lot of this also is. Um can be built off of good pitcher catcher relationships too. You see it a lot in, in big league baseball and college baseball. Um, 
I think another year with Emma Koff behind the plate and then getting her for, she's still on the roster as a freshman, potentially another three years. Um, I think just having her working with the staff and, and just having that consistency is going to be great for them. Um, yeah, no, it, it's a lot like, I guess, women's basketball this year, men's basketball this year. But I look back and I compare ACC volleyball to ACC softball. I think that is a totally valid comparison in that in volleyball, you had or have or not, who knows, Georgia Tech might be the best team in the conference there now. But but for the longest time, you had Pitt at the top and they were a top five team. Not really a question about it. Um, smoke in the ACC and then a bunch of giant question marks. Notre Dame's pretty good. Louisville's pretty good. Florida State's pretty good. UNC. It's the blob. It's the blob like, of mediocrity that's right under the one team. That's the same thing in football. Yep. Yep. Um, it's it's so go ACC of them. But that's where that's where there's potential, right? There's that's why you can be a Clemson being in your first full year of having a softball program and have a somewhat legitimate shot at like a ranking in the year, which I mean, it's nothing like expansion in a in a typical context. I guess. I guess you know you're a spoiled Atlanta United fan. Like you guys don't a, a juggernaut <laughs> of a team. When you know, like the, probably a good contributing reason to why the Thrashers aren't here, and a more accurate way to describe an expansion team is not that good out of the gates. But what Clemson is doing, what Duke's doing, is capitalizing on this this soft middle part of the ACC. I'm not saying everybody's Pitt. Pitt's been notoriously bad in ACC softball the last few years. Um, but I'm not saying everybody's Florida State. It's just, uh, well, anybody can win any game. Who's going to get the most of them, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, I think that kind of dovetails nicely into who is going to help Tech win most of those games. I know you pointed out Nelliman and went through some of her uh, some of her strengths, but let me let me toss out a couple names um, myself. I think Brianna Roper also contributes heavily to that conversation, as she has for the last couple of years, right? I mean, she's had really good defense, and then also has been ACC leading at the plate for both of her. Uh, I think all three or all four of her seasons on the flats. So, how do we? How does she continue that consistency? How does she, you know, find that same sort of always dependable, always reliable form that, say, Tristan English from the 2018-2019 softball or baseball teams had? How, yeah. how does that continue moving forward? And I think the, the way that she goes and the way that her hitting goes uh, correlates highly with the way that Georgia Tech as a team performs this year. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty bold uh, – not bold statement. I think that's a pretty fair statement. I think – She's somebody we've expected um, to fill that role in the past. Um, another person in, in that same realm that isn't on our uh, hit sheet that I would like to toss in for that, you know, offensive consistency, fire starter type role. Um, Cameron Stanford mm-hmm. um, has more power too. Um, and speaking of more power, Trisha Awald, who literally did not drop a single put out at first base last year. And I'm pretty sure she was at 99% at least the year before. That is the, the that consistency in the field, fantastic. Um, they had a, a couple either run and gun or put out like design plays um, that I saw them bust out. I think that was 2019. It's all running together. Last year, be it. Baseball Last year kind of just didn't exist. So hard to track, but um, 
But no, he's been locking it down ever since she transferred in at first base. Um, between the three of them, that is the core of a, a of a pretty great lineup. But you know, you have um, you have a very familiar, quite frankly, roster. Like I, I, I don't know. Like there's there's probably opportunities for these freshmen, especially in in pitching, to get into the mix. But you know, I'm just looking at who they still have, it's it's a lot of familiar faces: Zeitler, Barfield, Dickerson, Bruce, Nelliman, um, Stanford. I'm I'm trying to make this quick. Huckabee, Lexi Ray, Brianna Roper. I mean, I, I don't know. It just to me, like, it sounds like you're just reading names off of the roster sheet now, and uh, you're just going to keep going until you run out. Oh, I I did run out. I was I was just saying those are all those are all people that we got at least a decent dose of last year enough to say that like all the right, year before like, too. Yeah, I mean, not so much Koff and Nelman considering they were still in high school, but like the th- this is a team. Let's they've got their they've got some good parts. Let's let's see. I'm I'm excited to see them um, out of the gate. I think I alluded to this earlier, but four and one, five and zero oh, potential first weekend would be a great way to start. And then you have Florida state and Clemson um, six games in, I think four days, the weekend after that. So. Oof. Yeah, I think sort of moving on to talking about those opponents, I think Clemson is a good benchmark. I, we talked about Clemson uh, last week or the week before as being a benchmark team that tech wants to compete against, but also in, in the terms of this season, I think two good benchmarks are how you do, Versus NC State, and ha- at the beginning of the season, right after that, uh, right after that Clemson series, and then after I think the Buzz Classic two that you mentioned, um, and then at the end of the series, the second to last ACC series in in Virginia Tech. Those are two similar teams in that banner of uh, of meh that I that we keep talking about. How do you perform against both of those, and especially closer to the end of the season? How have you grown over the course of the season into? Um, into your roster, into your lineup, into your pitching staff, and how how has that developed? Those are the things that – those are important games to me in that regard. Yeah, um, especially with Virginia Tech being a – not surprising, but a, a solid team, um, I think. I know you had mentioned that they were fringe top 25 material. Yeah, let's see if we can find a poll. Softball top 25. <laughs> I, I honestly haven't looked all week. Um but uh, I, we are I'm good podcasters, people, right? We're totally correct yeah, no, it's, it's not even fringy. They were 21 and four last year uh, and they're ranked 15th in the opening poll. So all righty then. So, yeah. So NC State and Virginia Tech, put those on your calendars and let's uh, let's make some measuring sticks there. I mean, if we're talking measuring sticks, Duke, who has one completed season under their belt, Went twenty three and four last year and is ranked twenty fifth. Clemson, who has maybe what twenty twenty five total games to their to their name, is receiving nine votes in the poll. Just bonkers. But uh, we'll it's see. A good all conference. It's a good softball conference. What can you say? Duke, Duke, and Clemson pouring their uh, basketball and football money into uh, the next domain. I guess. Yeah, seemingly. So let's. I think that kind of dovetails i'm trying to make my transitions very good as like a good podcaster would do i think that kind of leads right into our conversation about what the expectations for this team are this season like you know that you have that 
now a, a, like a larger upper block of teams that have, are starting out the season ranked, including FSU, including Louisville, including Virginia Tech, Duke, Clemson. Yep. So given those constraints and given that competition, what are we looking for this revamped, partially revamped Georgia Tech team to do in 2021? Um, I want to see him be above 500 in conference uh, and better than that overall um, picking up these. There's not a lot of non-con games, but, you know, Miami of Ohio, Kennesaw, Georgia State, Radford, these that's where you need to, you know, pick up pick up some dubs. But, yeah, no, better than 500 in conference. Like we said, there are opportunities for good wins and there are opportunities for wins and we need to see growth. This is a team that uh, is primed for it. So, yeah, I, I I mean, you you also want to see the, the two – you want to see that stalwart batting still come into play, right, like we've been talking about the entire time. I, and I said it earlier. I think if Tech can hit consistently and hit consistently well, especially with Roper, especially with, with Koff, that bodes well moving forward. And then, as we've been talking about in previous weeks, can they find – an another pitcher other than Nelman? Can they find, can they develop another pitcher other than Nelman? Can they have good relief pitching going into 2021? Again, like you said, that's not something that they have been super, super good at during the Morales era. Is that, are those things that if they can bring that, that team ERA down, or even if they can bring it down to the, uh, the 2.32 that you were looking at last year in 23 games. Yes. those are that's a successful season in my opinion yeah over a full season that would be great to see it be it it'd mark a big step from their last full season so yeah um and and yeah we've been a we've been a strong batting team so keeping keeping that steady or going um is is important my specific predictions actually uh tie into those i think nelman is gonna see a an outsized role compared to what she saw last year um I don't know how exactly they're going to split the staff. That would be conjecture and irresponsible for me to say, but I think she will start definitely her fair share of games um, and they will use her uh, hopefully effectively in that role. And I think uh, AWOL will lead the way in uh, slugging average. Um, most of the, uh, most of the major batting stats, she's been solid as a rock and she can hit bombs, um, dinger derby. Um, and of course put outs cause she's the first baseman. Ha. I, I would do want to add some color to that statement. Um, if you look at the stats from last year, it sort of uh, gives us an idea of how they want to split the staff. You see Bruce with nine uh, starts and Nelman with nine starts out of the 23 total that were available. And then Ray also got the remaining five. So that I think that's sort of your three-woman your three woman rotation, right? You have um, uh, Nelman probably plays the Sunday games. Uh Ray, Ray or Bruce goes in the Saturday and then the remaining one would go on Friday. So I, I'm interested to see how they, like you said, like how do they split it? How do they balance all of these good pitchers and give them time to shine and give them time to perform? Yeah. Um, I mean, we're going to need to see steps up uh, from Bruce and Ray uh, if they want to be a tournament team. Uh, I have been wary about throwing that word around because Hope is a dangerous drug, but I mean, they, they've got an element. Great starting piece. Um, we'll we'll see if the rest can step up from that. 
So let me let me hit you with my specific prediction. Uh, Tech will take one game each off of the home series versus FSU and Louisville. Okay. All right. So here's here's my thing. You you know that weird stuff happens during baseball series. Like the good team, the very good team, always drops the one weird one versus the versus a team that is outmatched. So that's tech in this case. And we you saw it happen in baseball in that uh, UCLA series a couple of years ago where uh, tech was able to win off of a walk off in one of those cases in the in the third game. So. Oh, why not uh, David beats Goliath twice in this season? I don't know. It seems legit. I, I'm I'm for it. Yeah, I mean, if if Nellman could duel Washington into uh, a 2-1 a end-of-game scenario, I think that that's definitely possible against both of these two teams. Um, you also noted that you think uh, uh, Roper and Koff are going to combine for 30 home runs. Yes. Where did you get that one from? All right, so this is pure conjecture, obviously, right? But you see that the way that they've been hitting, Koff especially came in on a hot streak last year. And we were really talking her up when we were doing these episodes uh, at the beginning of last season. I think that that if she's able to maintain that consistency and Roper comes back hot as well, we will see a lot of offensive firepower in general for the team. And also we'll be hitting a lot of dingers. It's not a science. We're just fans. I think... uh... I think if I was going to pick two, I'd go Cough uh, and maybe Awald or uh, Huckabee. But I, I, I don't think that's unreasonable to ask for for a combo, especially if they're they're on fuego. But yeah, fair, fair enough. I think that about wraps it up for our softball preview. I know you have to go, but is there anything else that you want to cover before we jet on out of here? um acc network extra if you want to watch these ladies um if uh tennis is more your game and it's a home match uh that's george burdell on youtube uh for live streams oh no you've exposed them i mean it's eating my time it might as well eat theirs too um otherwise women's basketball men's basketball uh baseball the usual suspects um women's basketball baseball over the radio w-r-e-k um atlanta in atlanta um don't tune in any other time because you'll get weirded out. At least that's what happens to me. I'm sorry. Love you, W-R-E-K. Um, I mean that with all love. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no. Uh, other than that, have a great week, guys. All right. Thank you all for listening, listeners out there, and we will see you real soon. <laughs>